ulterior. You know, it's as if my cats are completely aware of whenever I'm about to start recording this show because seemingly every time I'm in the process of getting some words and thoughts out there into this little microphone here, one of them just goes behind me and starts eating and I was initially annoyed by it, but you know what? I'm just going to let it be because it is authentic and real and that's just the nature of what it's like living with them, you know? And I wouldn't trade that for anything. So this episode, I didn't know going into last week that it was going to be broken up into two parts, but that's kind of where I'm at now. That's just what needs to happen. And I also get the chance right now to kind of explain something that is going to be happening most likely either on Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Uh, so in a few weeks, there have been several records this year that I did not get to review on Ulterior for one reason or the other. Maybe I didn't know about them at the time of the release, or maybe I intended to review them and I ran out of time and thus kind of just put it off. The plan is now on that uh, Thanksgiving slash Black Friday target I just mentioned. I will take the time on social media to review the records that I missed. And the list right now is like around 10, I believe, so... It will take a little bit of time, and I'm saying that because there were two records that I was meant to review this week, Dwayne and Arm's Length, and I did not get to them for time reasons, so the reviews of those two records will come towards the end of this month. And also on Thanksgiving, the plans right now is to upload a special bonus episode of this podcast where I look back on the top 50 songs from 2021 because I did that for 2020 during uh, Thanksgiving last year. So I kind of think it's like a little fun tradition to maintain uh, because, you know, it can help build excitement for myself going into the award season episodes in December. But that's all in a few weeks. What do I have for this episode? So brand new singles from the likes of The Plot New, Pal Cowery, and Dayseeker, and then brand new EPs by Jutes, Tiger's Jaw, Love is Noise, and Vanish. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy part one of this two-part episode. So as I've been doing for the last few episodes, I want to utilize this intro portion to just make mention of anything outside of music that caught my interest over the last few days. Um, the first topic, and I do apologize for this being a downer of a topic to start off with, but it is the biggest news story out there right now, so it has to be talked about. Uh, so Tuesday morning, takeoff from Migos passed away. He was shot and killed over, uh, of all things, a fucking dice game and... It is genuinely, truly just really, really gutting to have another scenario like this where I have to get on this microphone and talk about somebody's passing and somebody incredibly young. He was 28, only a year older than I am right now. So, um, man, that summer 2016 to then going into 17, like the rise of Migos and being able to watch it all play out in real time, it was genuinely a lot of fun and I always had interest in any Migos project and being able to, again, experience all that as it happened is something 
that I'm grateful for and thankful for. So RIP Takeoff, uh, you know, best wishes and thoughts and prayers to everybody affected, all of Takeoff's friends and family, Quavo, Offset, everybody, just, you know, all, all the love in the world to all of them. The World Series has commenced and the Astros are some fucking ass for real, dog. Um, so as of the release of this episode, uh, Phillies are up 2-1 in the series. Realistically, it could have been 1-2 in favor of the Astros, but they just blew a fucking lead in game one for some bullshit-ass reason that I'm not privy to and I don't know who is. Uh, you know, it's fun to watch, I guess, but it's also just like, man, what the fuck is happening? Again, I have no vested interest in this. I have no say in any of this, but I, I would like for the teams that I am watching perform not be dog shit. And I kind of do be with the Astros are as of now. Some quick NBA news, Kyrie Irving is following in the footsteps of Kanye West by platforming anti-Semitism and is insistent that that's not what he's doing. He uh, got into a little bit of like a, well actually it wasn't a little bit of a, it was a pretty big deal of a back and forth with reporters over a tweet of his endorsing a film that is built on anti-Semitism and you know, adding this on to everything that had happened recently with Kyrie and the whole vaccination status stuff, like is is he really really worth the trouble for any organization right now um i would think not but you know the nets are gonna do what the nets are gonna do something that they did do recently today was fire steve nash um makes sense it's kind of about time um they are targeting ime odoka for the coaching spot the same ime odoka who uh had been in the news recently because the Boston Celtics kind of uh, severed ties with him over an improper relationship with a staff member, just a bunch of crazy drama stuff. You know, some of it is entertaining, some of it's not, and I guess it's just the nature of the NBA by this point. And for the last story, the sale of Twitter to Elon Musk was completed last week, and there, I, I okay, so I think the ramifications of all this kind of have yet to be seen, but at some point soon, it'll be evident, like, what exactly Elon did to the platform. Uh, so, you know, there's all this stuff right now about, like, paying monthly for your verification status. And it was initially, like, reported to be $20. Now it might be $8. But with that $8, anybody can apparently be verified. I might have that wrong, but that's kind of what I think I read. Um, that is crazy and dilutes the entire point of verification on that platform. I know Elon keeps promoting like free speech, but you know, in this day and age, what are exactly the, um, the disconnecting threads between free speech and hate speech, especially on the internet and especially on a platform like Twitter, which has, uh, you know, 4chan imbeciles infiltrating it. I didn't really have another way of phrasing that, but you know what I mean? Fuck those people. And that's kind of it for the news. Hopefully one day there will be an episode where I have nothing but positive and uplifting things to talk about, but the world is the world. That's never going to happen. And I am a hater, but I don't want to talk about hateful things, if that makes any sense. So now I'm going to proceed to get into the singles for this week, and I only chose three to talk about because they were the ones for Scene to Overlook, but then also... Um, considering that there are four EPs to get through after this and some EPs that I have quite a bit to say about, I want to maximize my time with the singles. So the first single up is the new plot new track called Divide.
this was surprising in some ways. I don't mean surprising by like, I didn't think the plot new could do this because the plot new have been one of my favorite bands for the last couple of years. I really do enjoy essentially everything that they do, you know, even when they're kind of venturing out there like they did with Dispose and Swan Song. I think they're generational. I think Landon Torres is one of the most goaded vocalists of the scene in recent memory. And Divide just reaffirms where I believe this band has been standing for, again, a few years now. Um, this is a little bit more of a safe play of a track compared to the experimental stuff that they've been doing recently. I feel like Divide, it wasn't really made for radio, but it has like that kind of a radio flair to it. And it's done in a way that is so, um, like, apropos to the nature and the style of, of the plot you because this still carries with it every crazy and like disturbing idea and concept that i associate with the plot new it's just kind of done in a more accessible manner i especially love the like harmonizing by the backing vocals done in the chorus i feel like it is so complimentary to landon's delivery the song is heavy while being emotional at points as well it is uh, you know, just a fucking, a home run of a song for the plot new. And if this is essentially meant to be the foundation of whatever is going to be happening with them in 2023, this is going to be a fuck ton of fun. So the next single comes from a band who I had not heard about before last week. And I really am like so bubbly over the fact that I get to talk about a new band and kind of maybe put somebody onto a new band. The Signal is Salvation by Pale Cowrie. This was a crazy one to discover, and for this to be my introduction to Pale Cowrie, it is as good of an introduction as I could have possibly asked for. Because it plays exactly to that kind of chaotic post-hardcore style that is so easy for me to get into and is so inherent to, like, kind of where I came from in the scene. Because when I was growing up, like, bands like The Fall of Troy and At The Drive-In were big deals that I couldn't escape, and mixing that with the slightly heavier side of the genre that I was really drawn to, I feel like you kind of mix all that and you get the signal of salvation and every bit of just unpredictability and insanity that this track exudes. It doesn't really know what it wants to be and I enjoy that because I don't know what I want it to be. I'm just happy with what is being presented to me in this manner. It's so fun and quirky and catchy and just something that like... I feel like my head is like spinning in a bunch of different directions while I'm hearing the signal of salvation, but I wouldn't want my kind of a reaction to this type of track to be any different than what it has been. This song is excellent. I think Pale Cowrie kind of have a, a spot in my vision now as a band to kind of just like keep watching and keep seeing what they do and keep seeing how they grow, because if they're going to keep putting out material like this, I have no doubt that they will be able to grow. There was a brand new Can't Swim single titled, I Heard They Found You Face Down Inside Your Living Room. In the nicest way possible, what the fuck is this song? Like, genuinely, because it is the kind of song that is both 
gripping and cutting at the same time, you have that gripping factor by just the way that the verses sound and the pose that is uh, contested in this kind of a sound for Can't Swim and just the way that it like immediately tugs at your heartstrings and you don't fully know what direction it's going in sonically. You might not know initially if it's going to maintain that really like slow and brooding in in a way creepy kind of a of a tone and then you just go into a course that it feels like um I, i'm trying to figure out the best way to describe this but the course on i heard they found your face sound inside your living room it kind of feels like you're given a glimpse of hope but that hope is laced with misery and i i mean that because of the lyrical matter on this track I thought you said it'd be me and you, now you're gone, what am I supposed to do, and for what? Did you know you put your life at stake, felt like torture just to stay awake, I thought you said it'd be me and you. And there are so many brooding thoughts that go to my mind whenever I hear this song and the, the lyrical matter that is so malevolent, but at the same time, I feel this sense of, a weird sense of strange euphoria when it comes to this song and what it's been able to mean to me and what it can deliver to me and the way that it makes my brain feel just factoring all that in this song carries some goddamn weight to it and i think that is tremendous and to finish off the bite-sized version of the singles rundown i'm going to be looking at crying while you're dancing by dayseeker This is the final single by the band ahead of the new album Dark Sun, which is out this Friday. Uh, there have been a handful of singles already for this record, and I feel like I kind of more or less know the direction it's going in, and it could make for some interesting discourse come next week's episode, but for right now, what I do want to say is that Crying While You're Dancing, it might be my favorite of the singles outside of Neon Grave so far. Uh, I really enjoy the like danceable nature of the verses to kind of play into the reference of dancing within the title of the song and how it's just kind of so like laid back in a way while allowing Rory Rodriguez the time and space to really just deliver these lines with the delivery and emotional range that I believe he has made his name off of and it is an exceptional voice on this track. I need you to pull me through, but you don't care, you bring it right back to you, the lonely nights inside my room, you're at the bar drinking till your liver's bruised. And then all that goes into the chorus that, it's not like, so explosive in a way, but it has that, um, like that ferocity to it, that emphatic nature that I believe a verse like the one that we hear on this track really calls for. And it is catchy and just immensely well put together. I think Dayseeker really kind of capped off the singles rollout in a big way with Crying Mary Dancing. And again, there is a lot of discourse to navigate when it comes to Dark Sun and what I was right now, I think the record will sound like, especially, you know, in comparison to some of the prior Dayseeker material, like on Sleep Talk, for example. But either way, this single is amazing. Go check it out. Go check out Dark Sun when it drops this Friday. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. When We Break by After Elmer, Down the Line by Alice in Wonderland, Where You Been by Anxious, Doing This Again by Bears and Trees, Exoskeleton by Born Without Bones, 
Stay Together for the Kids, which is a Blink-182 cover by Classic Jack, Connect by Glacier Veins, No Turning Back by In Search of Solace, Dissolve by Lost Trees, Stained and Rot by Of Sulfur, Step Zero by Penetrate, Fire by The Hara, Annihilation Phenomena by The Last 10 Seconds of Life, Maze Runner by The Wise Man Fear featuring Spawn, Save It For Myself by Walwyn featuring You Over Me, and I Really Want To Stay At Your House, which is a Rosa Walton cover by Wither Away. There was no single that I gave below a 4 last week, so that was great. Let's keep up that energy for the rest of the year, please. So now that brings me to the EPs for the episode. There are four of them in total, so let's see how uh, we can manage this and get through this. The EP I'm going to start out with is Hot Trash by Jutes. Despite my belief that Jutes is one of the most consistent artists in the scene of the last, you know, two or three years, I don't feel like I have spotlighted him enough on this show before. So there was a time period last year, 2021, where Jutes was releasing a single every week and that all culminated in a record of his. It was called Careful What You Wish For, and not every single of his made it onto that record, but uh, quite a few did, especially the really, really good ones. Like, in my opinion, Give You a Call and Fuck Your Boyfriend, like, those songs are really, really, really good. But, like, legitimately, you couldn't go wrong with naming any of the songs on that record, like, a favorite of yours, and for that reason, I have this sense of, like, um... It's not guilt, it's not embarrassment, it's not shame, it's just like a, a confusion, I guess, over like where my headspace was at to where I didn't put Careful What You Wish For in the top 50 records list for 2021, because it really should have been there, and I'm saying to all of you guys right now that there is the real possibility that I can correct that error, per se, with how I view Hot Trash going into award season for 2022. And I do feel fine saying that because I do believe that to some extent, maybe not a great one, but at least some extent, I think Hot Trash might be a more complete record than Careful What You Wish For. And if nothing else, what this EP does really, really well is move Jute's sound into the future and move it into a new direction. Because I think what is happening with this EP is you kind of get a sense of like Jute's in that pop punk realm and we did see or we haven't seen mgk venture that route and then black bear just did it recently with the album in loving memory but in all honesty i do believe that jutes is doing that sound right now better than both mgk and black bear and i think that says something considering that i am a very proud black bear merchant so where jutes began his journey with hot trash was on the single hollywood hillbilly and Hearing this EP in totality, I feel like Hollywood Hillbilly was kind of a safe play of a song for Jute to kind of show us in the audience what the direction would be for this new project of his. Um, and I mean that in reference to how the verses don't really steer too far from what he had been doing beforehand, whereas the chorus is where you can hear the pop punk flares kind of um surfacing for the first time really for a jutes uh project 
And so having Hollywood Hillbilly as the lead single really kind of let listeners venture their way easily into this record. Although I don't really know if any of us needed to have that easy pathway because I would imagine if you listen to Jutes, you probably are well-versed with MGK or Black Bear or, you know, let's say Kenny Hoopla, somebody else in that sector of the scene. The second single for the EP, Out the Door, that kind of embodies the more traditional pop-punk style that relates to the Blink-182-inspired domination that we have seen from, like, pop-punk revival and where TikTok kind of took uh, control of the direction for pop-punk. But I don't mean any of that in a bad way. I think Out the Door is exceptional. It is uh, a good transition point for Jutes to get into what he's doing now on Hot Trash. The next single afterwards was Best Kept Secret, and that really, really might be one of the best songs of the year. I think Best Kept Secret is just insanely catchy and singable, and like kind of shows this prowess by Jutes for a style that he is just now navigating for the first time. It's really, really remarkable just what Best Kept Secret is is able to do for his style and sound and the overall impression of Hot Trash. And some things I can say about the rest of the material present here. The title track for Hot Trash has some similarities to Hollywood Hillbilly by the way that it embraces both the new jute style and then the, I guess, more dated style, even if a year isn't necessarily dated per se. Um, the same thing sort of applies to Beyond Repair, uh, though that one has like somewhat of a 90s flair to its delivery that is slightly slower than what the rest of the EP sounds like, but is still uh, emphatic in the way that it gets all of its points across. Um, Who Do You Think You Are gives a more aggressive punk tone in its chorus while still managing to maintain this very uh, like friendly and accessible style of pop punk that Juice is putting on display for all of us. And then there is a song, Genie, which is one of the standouts of the EP by taking on this large sound that pushes pop-punk forward, not just for Jutes, but for the entire scene altogether. Because when someone as untraditional in the genre as Jutes is doing a song like Genie, as well as he did a song like Out the Door, and also Best Kept Secret, it's kind of, like, scary in a way. Just like how effortless and seamless this transition seemed to be for Jutes. I'm not saying it was effortless, but just being an onlooker, there was like no missteps whatsoever going from Care For What You Wish For into Hot Trash, despite the two kind of having different predominant sounds. And I'm going to end this review kind of reiterating what I said at the start of it about Jutes. I think he is one of the most consistent artists in the scene right now, and it still feels overlooked. It still feels like no matter how many singles and projects and whatever else Jute's name is attached to, not enough people are really intaking his content, not enough really understand or are made aware of the genius on the part of Jute's, and I think that is insanely criminal because this guy is pushing all these ideas into a really, really neat direction, and I don't know how many people are paying attention to that. So my hope would be that anybody who hears this that maybe isn't so familiar with Jutes, go check out Hot Trash. I I promise you that there is something within this EP that you can gravitate towards and hopefully understand the the kind of talent that Jutes is right now and how necessary it is for 
us in the scene to gas him up. We have a brand new EP out by Tiger's Jaw. It is called Old Clothes. I feel like this is maybe the best way that I can summarize the standing of Tiger's Jaw in the scene right now and the way that it has been for a while. So recently on Discord, myself and some people were watching the 2015 APMAs. Do not ask me why we watched it because I don't actually have the answer for that. It, it just happened. And... Something that I remember about the award show was the category for, um, I can't remember if it was best breakthrough band or like breakout band or like just band to watch out for, just something within that realm. And one of the nominees was Tiger's Jaw. So in the year 2015, Tiger's Jaw, a band that formed in 2005, was considered breakthrough for that time. That is utterly fucking nasty. And it plays into the mindset of Tiger's Jaw being one of the most overlooked and just underappreciated bands that the scene has ever been able to call one of its own. And I can't even pinpoint a reason why that might be. It's like Tiger's Jaw just kind of exists in only some of our worlds and not the scene at large and that sucks because tiger's jaw are insanely talented and you know maybe i am not really doing my part to get across tiger's jaw to all of you guys but i would like to think that i have tried in the past i remember last year for the top 100 songs of 2021 series i had commit at like 16 or 15 and that was off of the album i won't care how you remember me uh, the most recent Tiger's Jaw record as of right now, or album rather, and it is just a, a fucking quality release that, like, I can't really understand why a lot of what Tiger's Jaw does is, like, so foreign to even veteran, um, you know, listeners of the scene. And I think th the thing that sucks about old clothes is... It's not going to fix that. This is not the project that is going to expose more people to Tiger's Jaw. This definitely feels like something kind of niche for what is already a niche band. But there are still plenty of highlights with old clothes that I am more than happy to tell you guys about. So the EP opens with the title track, Old Clothes. And I think that song has a really effective style that feels right at home with the rest of Tiger's Jaw discography. It just has like that really catchy and head nodding chorus that is the best introduction to the EP, whether you are an experienced Tiger Star listener or for some reason, this is your first time hearing them. Again, I don't believe that's what this record is going to do, but you know, the, the possibility is still there, I suppose. The second track, Swear, picks up the energy just a bit, but not to the point where the song feels like joyous or a differentiation from anything else that Tiger's Jaw have been doing. It just kind of carries the same emo tendency of Tiger's Jaw, but just in a way that it feels like 
like sun is beaming down onto me for some reason like the sun is beaming down onto me while there are still raindrops trickling around me in a circle that's a weird way to put it but it's kind of what swear makes me visualize myself in like atmospherically is that even a word atmospherically i don't know but i'm not going to edit it out so let's just say for the sake of this podcast it is a word um reckless it's a slight bit more adventurous than swear by knowing when to amplify its sound and also when to bring things back down to earth in a real tiger's jaw-esque fashion maybe the most complete song on the ep in my opinion and then the closing song waltz so waltz is where i get lost because while i admire the song for what it does and how brianna sounds like it and the fact that she is platformed on this track it's not what i come to Tiger's Jaw for it's not the sound that I go out of my way to desire. I think it sounds fine. There's nothing really wrong with the way that it sounds. I just am of the belief that in comparison to, you know, Swear and Reckless, it's a little bit boring and it's not really the the way that I would have liked for the EP to have closed out. It's kind of just where my head is at right now relating to the way that old clothes kind of uh like maneuvers itself and that's ultimately kind of where the scoring of seven and a half came from it's just a a, a better or in my opinion a better closing song would have done fucking wonders for this ep yet i kind of just was left being like okay that was cool i guess am i really going to remember this ep am i going to want to listen to it in a week I don't know. I, I probably not. I, I actually would prefer other Tiger Shaw stuff, but really, like this EP still has some great songs on it. Just wasn't really uh, effective, or, or it, it didn't really display the lasting and the staying power that I believe every other EP this week uh, did. And that's kind of where the disconnect between myself and Old Clothes is coming from. Euphoria Where Were You is the brand new EP out by Love Is Noise. This EP was recommended to me and I decided to just go ahead and check it out because some of the the bands cited to me as inspirations for the sound included Glassjaw and Deftones. And so I was like, okay, I could probably fuck with this. Let me check it out. So I really, really did believe that this is my first time hearing Love is Noise. I didn't think I had any knowledge of them prior. And then when looking through the playlist for Ulterior Season 2, I realized... I, I did have a song of theirs saved at the beginning of this year. It was a standalone single called Azure, and I remembered almost nothing from it, and that's very, very shambolic on my end because what I ended up realizing about Love is Noise in the process of getting to experience this EP is that they are one of the best untapped bands in the scene today. And I say untapped just in relation to like how little of a reach that they have. This band is fucking excellent, and they really provide something unique and different for the scene even if they have some influences and similarities to other bands that i wouldn't really classify as unique i just think the way that love is noise is doing this sound is something that is all to themselves 
The opening song on the EP, Nothing, immediately throws listener into the deep end with this new metalcore style that isn't just derived from the bands I mentioned before, Deftones and Glassjaw, but then also some other current scene bands like Loathe and Mood Ring. It's just this really apparent style to my ears and my brain patterning that, you know, when it's done really well and right, I can't look away from it. I can't pull my ears away from something like Love is Noise because of just how impeccable I think their style is. And again, even if it's not totally unique to the scene, they still find ways to make it unique to themselves. And I think that is the mark of a a really competent and capable band. Nothing is fucking chaotic while showcasing a sense of unity between every force found within Love is Noise. And the same notion, I believe, can be carried over to Wonderland, which has a really powerful chorus that I think perfectly blends in with the verses that still carry the unsettling atmosphere that I would expect from an act like Love is Noise and the influences that they have. Um, I think the song Movement is also in this realm, but that song... It kind of gets these moments that are built on the eerie bass tone throughout it, and then the feature spot by Jason Allen Butler from Fever 333 that allow movement to kind of exist in a world of its own, on an island of its own, and just, you know, this, uh, a highlight of a record that is just filled with highlights. The EP slows itself down somewhat with For You, or at least just in the first half of that track, and that first half builds up to one of the most incendiary moments on the EP with the screams that pierce the listener's ears. And it's screams that just kind of have this, uh, like I'm trying to figure out the way to describe it. It's, it's different from like what you would classify as like a regular scene scream per se. It carries with it this real volatile tone that I can't put my finger on. I can't really find a better way to describe it. It's just something that is there and i feel like if you take the time to hear for you you'll understand what i'm getting at the greatest love is somehow both the heaviest and most experimental song on the ep it kind of has like a mind of its own it doesn't really know what direction to go into and i think that you know this uh sonic identity crisis if you will it really plays to the strengths of the band because the band kind of find a way to operate at this really insane uh, professional level while having all these moments that maybe sound like they don't blend together and there's no real cohesion to the structure. But in actuality, this song could not be any more structured. It couldn't have had a better layout that, uh, you know, really made The Greatest Love a favorable track on a record that doesn't leave you with any shortages of just that. And then the EP closes with its title track, and I feel like that song, Car Outside, fuck you, dude, trying to fucking ruin the flow with Love is Noise, that's crazy, uh, there's the fucking car again, holy shit, dude, uh, whatever, it's late, I don't get it. Euphoria, it it kind of drags in the most angelic manner possible while still maintaining the brooding style of Love is Noise that is made apparent when they decide to slow things down and just kind of, like, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put it. I, I, I keep saying that over and over again, I feel like with this review. Trying to find the best way to describe Love is Noise is very difficult when I don't know how to even describe them in, in like, this really minimalistic manner. I feel like Love is Noise is the kind of band that you just need to experience for yourself. You really do need to take the time 
to dedicate to Euphoria. And, and you know, it's, it's an EP that kind of flies by. And I've been able to listen to it uh, time and time again the last few days. And each time I'm hearing something new within its core that wasn't so evident to me initially. It's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't notice that there. That's really fucking sick. I feel like I'm doing that every time I hear uh, Euphoria and any song within its track listing. And I feel like I'm just, you know, I was given an EP last week that I did not deserve, just to put it bluntly. I am so thankful and grateful to have been able to, to come across the EP and be able to tell you guys about it because I, I get this sense of like, no pun intended, euphoria within me describing these songs because even if I don't believe I'm doing the best job at doing so, I'm... I'm just happy to tell you guys about this band and tell you guys about an EP that maybe you didn't know about beforehand. So yeah, please go check out Love Is Noise. Please go check out Euphoria. Any of the songs, you know, that I gassed up here, The Greatest Love, um, Movement, just everything about this EP, nothing. It's all fucking tremendous and just something to really, really marvel at. And then for the final EP of the episode, we have one of the strongest points of the entire year, in my opinion, for scene music. Act 4, Savior by Vanish. I think everybody has those bands who you really, really miss whenever they go inactive and you don't really know what the future holds for them, but you just hope for the best. And then when you see them resurface and drop some fucking heat, it gives you this really indescribable feeling and it's something that can only be filled by whatever void said band left behind for you. And that's essentially what I feel for Vanish. There was a record of theirs called Familiar Faces that dropped back in, I believe it was the start of 2019. Or, or I think that was the release of it because that is the time frame that my brain associates those songs with and that artwork that is really, really, really fucking sick. I can remember when I was coming home from school on the bus. At the time, I was one semester away from beginning my senior year of college. So it was a really pivotal time for myself and I remember just like that uh January February March of 2019 having to like force myself to listen to things that were not Amo by Bring Me the Horizon because Amo remains my favorite album of all time so of course I was going to spend every second of my uh desirable lifespan listening to music on that record but then the times where I did listen to other stuff and I really soaked in new material, there were two songs that immediately jumped to my mind as being really, really vital for me at that point in time. And they're both by Vanish. Roleplay and Slip. Roleplay is one of like the coolest post-hardcore nod songs I have heard over the last couple of years. I, I just really, really, really fucking enjoy like the the build up in the verses and how in the pre-chorus it kind of like has this intense moment where you're like oh shit what's gonna happen and the chorus comes in and i'm just there left in awe before i can finally utter some words and those words happen to be shower me in goodbyes 
And fake smiles Send me to sleep until I'm ready to die Like it is that effective of a chorus to the point where I can't recite any of the lyrics without just fucking singing the song It is generational and sensational and every possible synonym that I can find for just something that really really spoke to me on a personal and emotional level And then Slip Do not ever fucking ask me about that song, bro. Like, for real, for real. Slip is one of the saddest, most gutting songs I've ever heard in my life. Just, like, even thinking about it right now. Like, like I have, like, this shiver. And if my tone of voice sounds different talking about this song than roleplay, it's because Slip is demented, honestly. But it's so, so fucking good. But then, like other bands, Vanish kind of just... It remained idle throughout the pandemic and you know again so many bands did that it's not me trying to single out vanish in any way i'm just saying that there was no activity from them and i really didn't know what was happening and it got to a point where i was maybe like uh, is it curtains are they done so i don't know they're not on hopeless anymore and i didn't know how that would affect them going into whatever their new material was going to be ultimately not being on Hopeless does not do a single fucking thing to deroute this band from the uh, immeasurable level of success that I know they can obtain. They resurfaced back in February, I believe it was, when Misfits dropped. And to me, Misfits kind of showed, more than anything else, that this band had not lost a step when navigating the treacherous territories of the last few years. Misfits is just a, a remarkable song especially one to have come back on um the verses in misfits had this danceable attitude to them that i wouldn't have necessarily associated with vanish beforehand but considering a lot of what is happening on act four i, I feel like this was the right way to go for the lead single again considering what the rest of the ep would entail the next single afterwards was leech and leech was really really where i'm like Yo, Vanish fucking back, dude. For real, for real. <laughs> I got this dumbass grin on my face right now. Maybe you can hear me trying to talk through it, but like, Leech is fucking insane, guys. Why is my face stuck? This is crazy, y'all. Um, so there's a, a moment, uh, on Leech. It's in the first chorus where it's not a complete sounding chorus that doesn't come in until later on in the song, but, uh, the way that um, the first chorus of Leech is only supported by bass and vocals. It is like one of the coolest ass-throwing moments in music all year for the scene. It's just this really vibrant and effective delivery for a chorus without even having all of the main components present. And that is really, really uh, astounding in my opinion. Um, there's a song on here called Oblivion that has immaculate pacing and it sets the stage in the most perfect way possible for its chorus that is one of the brightest spots in the entire catalog of vanish it just kind of like takes what vanish already do really really well and just amplifies it and to amplify a style that is already perfected like you understand how fucking goaded that shit is oblivion is amazing and it was like really really close to being number one in scenic overlook there's a part of me that maybe thinks it might be the number one song but just considering how much time I've been able to spend with Parachute, I can't really justify anything outside of Parachute getting that spot. In some ways, but not really, Parachute does what I said about Leech, where the first chorus doesn't really sound complete. And I guess in some ways, the first chorus of Parachute isn't complete. 
But in the second half of the first chorus, you do uh, hear the rest of the band come in, and it's done in a way that really makes it remarkable and memorable. And Parachute, it plays directly to everything that I like to hear from this style of music. Um, it just sounds like Vanish taking their time and really allowing themselves to have these moments to kind of just, you know, exist in the listener's ear without really going over the top or doing too much. It's the right amount of Vanish present in Parachute, and I think that is where the real uh, connection is being drawn between Parachute and myself. Make Believe does some really cool experimental stuff in its chorus by mixing in electronics, and hearing this song a few times, it doesn't sound too distant from something that Bring Me the Horizon might be doing whenever they also feel experimental in that sense, and again, maybe that is kind of where uh, I am being drawn emotionally and just spiritually to act for. Lost is another instance of a banger chorus that plays all of Vanish's strengths and really establishes them once again in my mind as one of the premier bands in the scene. I don't know if anybody else will look at them in that light, but I can't help myself from from doing that, and I don't want to stop myself from doing that. Like Vanish have almost completely overtaken my brain the last week, and I feel like that is exactly where they should be. And then the final song on the EP, Savior, has this groove to its delivery that has some real confidence to the nature of Vanish that I don't know if I can hear in this manner anywhere else on the EP. It just, it, it, and maybe it's part of like the, the hip hop inspiration that I can hear in the verses. And it's also supported by these eerie guitar effects and guitar effects that kind of act as like the closing statement of the song and also the record altogether. I, I think Savior, just really acts as like that final stamp on what is ultimately, in my mind, a 100% perfect, flawless EP. I, I could not find any fault with what Vanish put forth in any way whatsoever. I listened to this EP front to back so many times since last Friday, and I just feel like I am obtaining this new level of appreciation for an act that already meant the world to me just off of what they were able to do for me at a time in 2019 when I really, really needed something like what they were offering. And I feel like now in 2022, when I still have these, you know, feelings of doubt and just other weird, dark clouds hovering over me, Vanish once again came and showed that they will catch me as I'm falling and they fucking got me for life. And I am immensely thankful for that vanish. I, I don't want to say stole the week because that might be like the wrong way to put it, but vanish definitely won the week. And, you know, I still have the second part of this episode to get through where I talk about the albums. I'm saying right now, guys, there was no album last week that I liked more than act Four savior. This EP just completely dominated any expectations I could have had for the scene last week. Vanish, they showed why they are that fucking band and why you, the listener, should be viewing them as that fucking band. If you don't know about Vanish, go fucking educate yourself, dog. Like, really, this band is incredible. Act 4 is incredible. The songs on here, like Leech and Oblivion and Parachute, all amazing and sensational and generational and anything else I've been saying ad nauseum. Vanish is perfect. And that's it. That was every single and EP from last week for me to get through. Again, this episode is being split into two parts. So if you heard all this part, if you heard this part all the way through, thank you so much. 
please go check out part two when it's uploaded. Uh, you know, I'm trying my best to get through this content as we progress towards the end of the year. And as I've said before, in these next few weeks, I anticipate being a lot of fun to get through. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed part one of this two-part installment. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.